106.5 WFP. This is Community Control. Now, this show seeking democratic community control of public institutions with a particular interest in the U.S. policing apparatus. Vince here, ride with me, y'all. We mixing things up here just a little bit. Y'all know Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever, came out last month. Well, Mike and I went to go see it, and oh boy, we got some things to say about it. On this episode, we're exploring the social, geopolitical, and liberation-based perspectives of this movie. Now, this comes from excerpts from interviews we did on separate shows. Shout out to my man, K.A. Owens. I know you're going to hear in the first half. It sounds like I'm mad, but... I'm actually cool. I'm an excitable guy. Let's get right into it here. We talking to Alliance Radio. Shout out to David Lott. In approaching the subject, I asked three questions. I think that any good uh, radical African-American must ask. And that is, um, is this movie merely another cinematic blockbuster from the Disney Hollywood Dream Machine pipeline with no significance outside of producing a few more fleeting celebrities and a handsome profit for a few financial investors. Number one. Number two, is it all of the above plus an intentional or perhaps unintentional divert re-emerging, a re-emerging black liberation movement and its real and potential allies from a much needed understanding of the intersections of class systems, international relationships, and geopolitics, which we know are very important right now. And finally, does or will Wakanda forever have the potential to reach and influence a broad mass of the movie and video viewing public. And, you know, it grossed over $500 million in the first week. So that's my approach to this. And uh, I'm trying to, you know, and in conversations with Vincent and others, look at this thing fairly and uh, dialectically. Um, Admittedly, I liked a lot of the film. Uh, I think uh, you did too, didn't you, Vincent, or didn't you? I'm not going to lie. I was done with the whole thing when the CIA officer said the Wakandans were the good ones. I'm like, yo, what's that all? You remember that, K.A.? no, I don't, but uh, you all uh, feel free to uh, first tell, uh, I would give a little history that is Marvel Comics, that is, before these movies became so popular, they had these characters already created to sort of identify with various sectors of society. Right? Uh, you know, uh, we talk about the CIA. I'm talking about the, the CIA and... Franchise, the franchise. And so these yeah, but another franchise. I'm familiar. These are old comic books, but we got the 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 CIA and all the proxy wars and all the disruption that they did. A lot of it 
they're just cutting deals overseas for some business, and then they got the U.S. military kind of backing up. They're you know they're covert ops, but they're a central character in this movie, and we're talking about a lot of different things in this movie. Though, hey, I ain't gonna lie, this movie was a slick Joker. So just to piggyback off of some of the stuff Mike said, it, it was a lot of different things because I'm gonna give this credit to the movement. Okay, they had to concede some things that you couldn't just have a, car, a cartoon, visually villainous bad guy that was just had no points to, to work off of. He was, um, you know, they, they, they were somewhat of an attempt with Killmonger. It's, it, it, the, the Killmonger thing and the, uh, and, and the current, um, I guess you would call him the main, one of the main antagonists in the movie, the, uh, the indigenous um, Mesoamerican brother and his underwater kingdom. Uh, you know, they they would say some lines that were like, you can see what they're talking about. You know, in, in today's political landscape, you got to say something about imperialism. You got to say something about white supremacy and all throughout the Americas and this whole globe. And then, and I felt like this movie was weak on that. So, yeah, and you know, I, I say again, weak. looking at it, yeah. you're going to say something else, Spencer? So, so well, I was going to say it's weak because they got the they got the CIA picking and choosing, and the CIA was 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 off the hook. They they wasn't held accountable. The two you had the Mesoamerican uh, kingdom, the two colonized kingdoms. You had the you had the African kingdom fighting each other. So, so and those are the key. You know out. what Vincent just said. You know, uh, just briefly the. The, to me, the, the greatest failing of the movie is what it omits. And again, we can debate, was that intentional or unintentional? Um, the whole notion of, um, and I, you know, I saw several things, solidarity with oppressed people. You know, Vincent talked about the Mesoamericans. And, you know, in a world still dominated by superpower intrigues and intervention and invasions, is that important? You know, I mean, we have to answer that question. Uh, what's the relationship and the contradiction between nationalism, for instance, Wakanda forever, and internationalism? I mean, it's deeper than just Wakanda. I mean, what what, what is being said here? You know, black people are oppressed everywhere. Um, you know, although the original comic book strip characterized Wakanda as a monarchy, why why does a 21st century film cast it as one? Has there ever been an egalitarian monarchy? And finally, you know, what's the difference between personal politics and public politics, and which one should take precedence over the other? A lot of people were killed in this movie because of, you know— Family relationships, the whole nation going to be sacrificed, and it was in a needless war, you know, to save the queen's daughter. So those are some of the things I, I thought. You know. uh, before this, <laughs> I didn't want to spoil it. You know, a lot of wars do come about because of a misanalysis of one side or the other's capabilities and intentions. So wars do come about. That wars aren't all about all the time, uh, sort of uh, 
stealing resources. Sometimes wars occur because people have a misanalysis over the other party's capabilities and intentions. Uh, but K.A., don't you think... Kay, don't you think the movie obscured white supremacy just a bit in the fact that the the CIA and their interlopers, now this man, so this was their attempt to nuance it in their own way. Of course, you know, I, I, I surmise it wasn't enough. He, uh, he the Julia Lewis Stryker's character, she was the boss of... Well, the guy who was working with him. Is the white male is sort of the CIA with the human face, and Julia Lewis-Dreyfus' character is the amoral version of the CIA without a human face. Yeah, I was trying what's to that, think of her that, name, uh, Julia Dreyfus. But, uh, uh, I got you know, a saying for that. I was gonna, no, look, hold on, hold on, Mike, Mike, Mike. I was going to finish this thought, and I was going to okay, say go how, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, it's like, meet your old boss, same as the new boss. Like, he wasn't working against the CIA. He had his own, I guess it would say, his neoliberal interpretation of geopolitics where, like I said again, and I was like, I was done with it at that. He said the Wakandans are the good ones, which is something you never want the CIA to say about you because they only pick the good ones to them are the ones who are weak on imperialism. Who they're, they're, The CIA is cool with isolationalist politics where you got your kingdom, and, 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 it's, and it's well known, the history of these things, where they'll let somebody have their kingdom, just be a fat cat, and all of the resources of that kingdom uh, are, are concentrated in that monarchy. So I saw more of the thing, but they had to give up some, some thoughts. Well, I think it's now, I would that even the, that the movie that we, that's in the theaters now is just... Uh, the beginning of something. It's a setup. Usually, that is, the people who are doing these movies, they may have uh, maybe a three-movie run or a four-movie run for a certain set of characters. And so for this movie, what they've done is say that, look, uh, we have two powerful black and brown kingdoms. And so the way they set it up, the, these two kingdoms have to square off first. Uh in this movie, they have to square off and test each other's fighting ability. Uh, and why? What? Uh, I'm just saying that's what they the are set up. That the two, the black and brown I, people. I disagree with that. I understand, but I'm just telling you that. But it's almost as if I mean, this is in Marvel. If you look at uh, where they did the uh, the sort of uh, Avengers Civil War, where they had. Uh, a dispute between the Avengers over who was going to assign the Accords. Uh, uh, that is, the Avengers actually squared off against each other, and some of the Avengers ended up in an un undersea prison. So, and so you, the movie, you know, where the Avengers were one half of the Avengers was fighting the other half. Uh, but then again, toward the end, of course, the last, uh, at least with the current set of Avengers, Avengers, of course, after they. Uh, defeated the, the you know the, the super villain Thanos. Uh, they fought together yeah. to defeat the super villain Thanos. So I, I, I haven't seen that. That, that, that came out. I'm guessing I, I was, that. I mean, so let me finish my thought. I'm guessing that the producers okay, yeah, have a, 
a, a movie where Wakanda and, and Terror Clan uh, have to fight some enemy. I'm curious, I'll be very curious to see how the enemy is defined. Who, who will that And enemy? I'm sorry, the geopolitics is so weak in this, because it's like what it's saying and what it's not saying. And it says nothing about white supremacy. I'm just saying, I know we, we can sit here and say, oh, well, it's Disney, it's Marvel. They're not going to say nothing. But they thought it so much to include all of the cultural aesthetics. They, I got, for the lack of a better term, they co-op Afrocentricity, Pan-Africanism, different elements like that. And look at, the, look at how weak they're, they're saying nothing about solidarity with oppressed people. Uh, this movie was a mess. I thought it was cool cinematography. You know, they tried to split up the the kingdom with uh, the people who run the day-to-day operations. I don't know. It, it gets a, I'll give it a C-. And as I say in my review, that, uh, you know, it has, uh, you know, all the razzle and dazzle of uh, a great science fiction film. Um, you know, the graphic fight scenes and the special effects, uh, it rivals the best science fiction flicks being made in Hollywood. You know, you know, nice soundtrack with Kendrick Lamar and Rihanna and um, the symphonic score. But as what Vincent was saying, what about the themes being raised in Wakanda? See, we can't always keep going for the razzle-dazzle. I mean, what is being said and not said and or should have been said if everything is political? And I think you said that earlier, K.A. I mean, we know that everything is political, either is involving personal or public politics, and and, um, as I try to also say, you know, I mean, this did raise a big question, which I think is, is, uh, you know, not always easily answered, is what should take priority, your personal, private politics and relationships or the public? public And I'm not so sure how that answered, how Wakanda Forever answered that. You know, I mean, people will weep for the queen, for instance. I'm not saying I'd like to see Angela Bassett die, but was all of this worth saving her? Oh, man, spoiler alert. (laughs) But uh, here's the thing. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, It was clear that the, uh, that they were, you know, had white mercenaries trying to steal some uh, uh, vibranium, and uh, and these mercenaries were... uh, Right, and they of course uh, captured and put on public display by the people. Of, what, what country? What country was it, Ka? What country? I thought it was so cute. What country was that? That was I trying to steal the vibranium. I need to watch that movie again. I know you have a. It was the French. It was the movie. French. I, I thought it was so cute. The French, considering that America has the biggest military than the next twelve countries combined. If somebody was going to come up, if there is a real, such thing as a vibranium, if there was a country that was going to come up in there, uh, if I was a betting man, I don't think it was going to be the French that they that they jam up. Or maybe the I U.S. is trying to get their own vibranium. Again, that is, you know, uh, but if you want to sell 
have a movie in America, of course, so you can't make the movie the, the, the villain in the United States. Uh, you want the movie Sweet. to sell in Europe, but you can't make the, the villain any European country. Uh, and, and there you, you go. You set it off. China. You want the movie to sell in China, so you can't have a Chinese villain trying to conquer. And, uh, and what you get left with is a weak movie that doesn't say it. What's that? I've seen this movie before. It's called What Much to Do About Nothing. In terms of geopolitics, you know what I'm saying? It ain't saying nothing. It's weak. Uh, so that is going to be – it can be done through, through clever screenwriting. It can't. It ain't looking good, my man. It ain't looking good, my man. It ain't now, looking good. I ain't going to clean this up. Ryan Knowing that this brother named Ryan Coogler wrote the film, you know, a brother, you know, to, to give him the benefit of the doubt uh, to complete this critique, I think, in all fairness, I want to probe into his motives. I know he's been interviewed, and I want to know why, you know, he wrote this, at least what he says, before I make my total conclusions. Um, I mean, he has an impressive uh, biography. You know, you, it's hard to see anything sinister in, you know, what we learned of his life and what he's done before. I mean, he's almost like a the poster boy for African-American success. But again, like Vincent said, the movie is weak and problematic, and we can't just... You know, take everything that's being shoved down our throats. I also want to thank uh, uh, Michael T. and Vincent uh, and Gonzalez of Community Control Now for bringing us an excellent uh, review and critique. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you both for being here with us. As always. And for David Lyons, yeah, rewatch that movie, man. It's weak. It's weak on it. I'm not going to lie. Y'all, that escalated for a moment, but it's all good. Next up, my man closes it home and no hyperbole. Some of the best analysis I've seen from the kid, Michael T. He wraps it up on the edge with K.A. Owens. Strong stuff here. Listen in. So what's your take on, uh, you know, sort of Black Panther 2, uh, Black Panther Wakanda forever? Well, you know, we began this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, as I recall, uh, we were pretty thick into it at one point uh, when the show had to end. On uh, another radio show. On, on another, another radio show. Your other radio show. That's right. I'm getting so. your radio shows confused. But I do recall at some point we talked about the part in my review, uh, which uh, raises several political questions uh, that I saw emerging from the plot of Wakanda, uh, which is, um, and for those who've already seen it, I'm sure there are many in the listening audience who have, uh, but uh, what I discerned uh, was, uh, one question was, is solidarity with other oppressed communities and nations important in a world still dominated by superpower intrigues, interventions, and invasions and you know for those who've seen the recent movie um will realize that you know um the plot had a lot to do with a, a group of people uh called the tolacons who lived underwater and who were trying to unite with 
Wakanda against you know bigger colonizers who were seeking control of their vital resource of vibranium. And you know there's a great analogy that could be made between that and what's going on in the real world and as they say you know how uh, truth is stranger than fiction. We have superpowers in the real world vying for control of resources, um, you know, and it's been going on for a long time. And is it necessary for all of those countries and nations who are subject to this domination to unite to overcome that? I think Rakanda raises that, but doesn't really answer it, um, I think, uh, effectively or even understands it in the sense that uh, we see where, um, you know, despite Wakanda's struggle to hold on to their valuable natural resource, uh, a struggle that's introduced in the first Black Panther movie, I didn't get a great sense of for most of the movie, the second movie, that there was any interest to unite with other oppressed people, which is part of the problem in the first place. Um, the inability to unite. And I was trying to unite, you know, relate that as, you know, I think any astute and conscientious person should, you know, looking at it in the context of America, you know, we have, you know, a superpower that emerged on these shores uh, through land theft and um, dispossession, uh, through exploitation of labor by bringing Africans here, and uh, one of my favorite historians, current historians, Gerald Horn, points out that one of the best things that could have happened was that those two forces had united against the dominant powers that were coming from Europe to oppress and to uh, exploit both of us. And perhaps all of that could have been avoided. I mean, you think about there were hundreds of indigenous tribes here and there's no way that a small group of Europeans could have actually taken over this North America let alone South America and Central America but you know as in Africa uh, these this was a divided group of people I mean beset by tribalism often fighting each other number one so if there had been some type of internal unity, they could have warded off the invaders themselves. Now, compound that with the African communi communities who had been brought here to labor um, uh, and to replace the indigenous economies with a slave labor economy. So keep in mind, that's why the land, the principal reason why the land was being taken to to employ or to institute slave labor, take land, use chattel slavery to promote um, imperial wealth. And Horn raises the question, um, suppose we had united, but we didn't unite. And unfortunately, uh, what happened was that, you know, with the end of the Civil War that, you know, ostensibly was uh, launched to um, end the rule of chattel slavery. It didn't start out like that, but we could say at some point its mission became that by the end of the war. But, and many African Americans need to know this, and Ryan Coogler needs to know it and everybody else, um, 
at the same time that um, you know they were mopping up supposedly the damage and the catastrophes that had been set in motion by the Civil War, Horn says they were recontinuing the effort to dispossess the indigenous people. And then after they finished that, they uh, set their sights on the uh, uh, Puerto Rico and yes. in the, in the Philippines. Know, the and, outside the continent. And then continued... Uh, 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 limiting the development of South and Central America, which is resulting in the foot migration. Uh, yes, to all this connected. Now. All connected. But then, and what we see, and there's a case to be made that the real superpower is constantly deflecting from itself to other lesser superpowers. Who I'm not glorifying. I mean, you know, okay, this use using analogy uh, to the Ryan Coogler is never going to get movie get money to make a movie where Wakanda decides to subjugate the United States, so or to subjugate Europe. So he's never going to get the budget to make that. Movie. And we don't need him to do that, but yeah. we need him. Some of us would like to see him clearly uh, put forth a vision that shows us in some way the kinds of real social and power dynamics going on in the world today. You know, there's a case to be made that looking at Wakanda, we would think that perhaps, okay, well, maybe Iran is our major enemy. Maybe the Russians are really the enemy. Or maybe this particular third world dictator is the enemy. And as much as we know that, you know, those are not necessarily good guys, but who is the main enemy? Again, looking at Wakanda, we get the impression that the real colonizer, the number one superpower in the world, is actually helping Wakanda. And well, it's not yes as bad as no. the Tolokans. Yes, yes, yes that They're no. not out to take they Wakanda and person, the Tolokans' energy. Wakanda <laughs> has one person inside the CIA that's friendly to them, just one, and they saved his life. And, and I don't so, even find that credible because now I could see a rogue CIA agent, you know, which happens all the time. Which he becomes at the end of the movie through no fault of his own. Yeah, but that his supervisor is true. in the CIA, played by Julia yes. Lewis Rifus, is is clear that she is completely amoral and uh, would subjugate Tyler Clan or or Wakanda if she uh, if that's where her direct and I'm not buying that you know and um, according to the way the movie went she was aware of what he was doing that he would have stayed on the payroll and not would have been forced to go totally rogue by helping Wakanda you know if the real superpower is who she represents why would they even allow him to help Wakanda, knowing all along, because she says in the movie, we've been following you the whole time. We know you were helping them out and all like that. And, and again, I think it just, even though he doesn't say it explicitly, but the impression you would get is that it is Namor and his people who are the real enemies. Yes, there may be a colonizer who's threatening to I take all of our of vibranium. Audience, I think most of the audience understands that that is the conflict between Wakanda and uh, and Namor no, no is totally by accident. That is not what was intended by either. But based mainly on the inability or unwillingness of Wakanda to recognize a mutual enemy aimed at 
the same resource that Wakanda has, the Tolokans tell them that, look, they want the vibranium. Only you and only Wakanda and the Tolokans have this. And you see now, now that they've created a vibranium detector, not only we are threatened, and that's why we blew the detector up and killed all the people trying to detect it, but you, Wakanda, are threatened, and you have been threatened, and thus unite. And, if, you know, you can see the parallels between, you know, that and what's going on today, recognizing the principal contradictions in the world. I think that's one of the problems we're having even to this day, mm -hmm. you know, when we look at, uh, you know, the wars going on now.